Hey guys, welcome to this episode of the shit show of my 20s. On this episode, I got to interview Emily and we talk about what her background's like, the different businesses that she started, and then we talk about the new business that she co-founded called Plessed. And we talk about how they are basically like a business incubator and they help you validate your business idea, launch your business idea, and scale it. And so we talk about that. We talk about what travel she's been on and her advice for what type of business to start and i hope you guys enjoy listening so thank you so much emily for joining me today i really appreciate you taking the time to talk i'd love to start at the beginning of your journey tell me what your story's been like so far how how early in the beginning as early as you want to go (laughs) (laughs) um I mean, we can start from the very beginning. So, yeah, I was born in, I was born in California, uh, four months old, moved straight to Hong Kong. So from a really early age, I lived in two vastly different worlds, spent five years in Hong Kong where most of my family is. We randomly moved back to L.A. and then lived there for another five years. And then when I was 10, we moved to Oregon. And that was extremely formative for me because... We moved to Oregon. It was rainy, um, gray, cold. All my friends were gone. I was in fifth grade. I felt like I had to start over. And I was just, I had so much anger. So a lot of my life from uh, fifth grade until college was just purely built on anger and resentment of why am I in Oregon? And that led to me constantly finding ways to either make money or leave Oregon as quickly as possible. And that led me down this path of entrepreneurship. So my first business was when I was 13, um, me and two friends, we bought a LLC and we set up a wholesale account with American Apparel when they were in business. And then we would um, buy their hoodies at wholesale prices and resell it to people. That was when I was 13. And then when I was 15, I was like, maybe I can actually get a job. Turns out the only job you could get was a lifeguard at the time. You have to wait until you're 16. So got my black Guardian certification, started buying um, iPhones on Craigslist and reselling them on eBay. And once I got a car at 16, that really blew up. So from, yeah, a, a pretty young age, I've always just found ways to try to make money, not depend on my parents, and get out of Oregon as quickly as possible. Um, I, was, I got a full ride to University of Oregon. I really wanted to go back to California and be in sunshine. So a lot of my time spent in college was just, it felt like I'm only here because I need to make my parents happy. And looking back, I really should have not taken it for granted, but I ended up studying entrepreneurship in college and just learned a ton about business and was just constantly reading things. So after college, that led me into things like making a Shopify store, um, drop shipping. That led me down to digital marketing. Um, that led me to traveling and then uh, becoming a, a contractor. And yeah, a lot of my story has kind of led me here to where I now am co-founding Blessed with two other co-founders. And we just know that right now the education system is broken. Um, I've had the experience of making, getting, hitting those milestones that would make my parents really happy. You get like the whole template of go to school, get a six-figure job, um, buy a house, get married, we've been kind of uh, indoctrinated to buy into this template. And I feel like I've lived through it up to the point of like, should I buy a house or not? And there's just a lot of things in the world that don't make sense for our generation. And more than ever, um, 
now with coronavirus especially, there's just so much opportunity to start your own business and actually do things that you love. And we're seeing it more with people creating podcasts or writing books or creating YouTube channels or teaching people online. So we built Boss as a one-stop shop platform to really help people launch their um, online businesses. And aside from it just being like a video you would watch on YouTube or reading a ton of articles, you actually get step-by-step coaching. You get marketing taken care of. Often, Oftentimes people come in to creating, let's say, I don't know, an e-commerce store and they do a really wonderful job setting up how the store looks. Um, they make the design look really pretty and they realize like, wow, I need to learn marketing. I need to learn Facebook ads. I need to learn how to write copy. I need to learn how to uh, set up my email funnels. So we just wanted to make a very simple way to help people actually get to profitability and then help them grow their businesses and not have to feel stuck with a normal nine to five job. And right now you said like, it's a good time to start a business. Um, What type of business do you think is like the best to start right now? Yeah, so I, I really don't like putting um, I, I, I don't like putting things into templates. Mm-hmm. So what I mean by that is if you go onto Facebook, you'll see people saying, oh, do Amazon affiliate marketing, um, open a Shopify store, um, how to sell supplements. And I think oftentimes when you start to get sucked into, I should do this because this will make money, or I should do this because this is what other people say worked for them. That's not usually the right way to make your own decisions. So I think all businesses in the future kind of have this similar pattern where they fall under something we call the passion economy or identify as a passion economy. Meaning if you look at your favorite podcasters, your favorite authors, your favorite speakers, your favorite e-commerce store owners, um, anyone who owns an online business, they have one thing in common. They built an audience and they know how to monetize their audience and their audience is all very different. Their audience buys into what their values are or what their messaging is. So when I say that it's the right time to start a business, what I mean by that is we're in a space now where there's limitless opportunity and with like the pandemic more than ever, people can actually slow down, self-reflect on things they love to do and things that they're pulled to do. And online, it's all about how do I digitize my identity and brand? What do I want to create? And then how do I attract those people that would uh, also resonate with what I do? And how did you detach from like feeling the need, I need to make my parents happy all the time? Oh, yeah. So that, I mean, that was probably like 10 years ago. when I realized, and this is a cynical view, uh, but I studied a lot of stoicism, and life is short. At the end of the day, if you are constantly attaching any external external triggers to your happiness, your self-worth, it, it could be your parents, it could be society, it could be, it could be someone that you have a crush on, anything. If you were to ever do that, you're actually kind of removing yourself from your own power. So you're giving your power to someone else. Um, and at the end of the day, I always have this viewpoint, like, you know, I'm going to die eventually. And then also anything I do right now, I just want to make sure that I'm having fun. I'm happy. I'm trying to do it. And in a thousand years, no one's going to remember me anyways. If that isn't enough, I think about, all right, let's say 50,000 years, like 
there's definitely a number out there that makes my life right now feel like an insignificant speck of dust in the universe. So I might as well just enjoy it because we're likely living in a simulation. Might as well see the most that I can do in this simulation. But yeah, that's a really kind of um, eccentric viewpoint, but that is what keeps me going. I would love to know about Bali. So I've always been curious about Bali. I should probably go um, sometime soon. But like, what was it like? And like, what kind of work were you doing while you were working there? And how were you able to do like all this traveling in a year? Yeah. So let's start with how was I able to do all this traveling? Um, I actually had a plan and it's crazy. I have this notebook right in front of me. But the very first page is where I had a plan where I always knew I wanted to travel and it just took up a lot of pressure to kind of finally push me to take that action. And there was a, there was a chain reaction of events that led me up there. Um, having a job I was unhappy with, having an ex-partner who, who wasn't able to stay in the U.S., um, yeah, just a ton of events. So essentially what happened was I gave myself a time frame and I gave myself a time frame on when I would actually leave Portland or the States, how much money I would need to save up. And all you do is just buy a ticket and commit to that. What's crazy is I look at this journal now and I have a timeline written down on the exact month that I would leave and how much I would have saved up and my plan. And it's this happened to me over and over again, but anytime I write something down, I look back on it and most of the time it's fulfilled and it's usually better than I expected. So traveling in Southeast Asia and backpacking is actually a lot easier and cheaper than most people think. I remember a lot of the common questions I got is how can you afford this? Realistically, my travel expenses were a thousand dollars a month. And that's between that was me and my ex-partner compared to New York city. That's like five X cheaper than what I pay now. And yeah, just the cost of living is very low. And um, it's actually, it's actually a lot more easy and simple than people think. So what is Bali like? The reason why we settled in Bali was because we met so many just amazing people. Bali is kind of a hub where a lot of digital nomads or travelers or people that own their online businesses kind of stay. And so it was the first city we went to where there was actually a lot of people that lived there. It wasn't just other travelers. And we were able to establish friendships, make some really awesome lifelong friends there. The environment itself is very peaceful. You're on an island, there's volcanoes, there's jungles, people are extremely good hearted and kind. The food is amazing and healthy. There's yoga, there's beaches, and you get a really good synergy of nature, uh, spirituality, and also just focus to create a business to do work. The type of work I was doing there was I was reaching out to clients and helping them scale on Facebook and Instagram. So I was doing media buying for them. I'm more on the data driven side. So I do a lot of performance marketing. What that means is I am able, I set up campaigns for clients and we measure how well the campaign is doing based on how much revenue they make back. So it's purely based on ROI. So I spent about a year doing that and Bali was really where I settled down for a little bit. We traveled to 11 countries. And in Bali, I probably had a max of three or four clients at the time. I was working 20 hours a week. And yeah, you should definitely go when the pandemic is over. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. 
Exactly. And what what was your favorite place that you traveled in that time? I don't have, um, it's a really hard question to yeah. answer. There isn't a favorite. There, there's a lot of things that I liked about places or things that I disliked. I think some places that were really notable would be Myanmar. Um, it really opened up my eyes to a completely different world. So Myanmar has about 11 times less tourists than Thailand. So being there felt a lot more rural and it felt more authentic. And it was a very impoverished place. And it just helped me understand, like, you know, right now, we're going through this massive shift right now. And a lot of Americans, like, we have the privilege of staying indoors and staying inside. Um, Like, I have a privilege to go to my grocery store and not have to worry, even if I have to wear a mask. And in places like that, one, they have a lot less access to information, so they might not even know what's going on, that they have less access to education, less access to healthcare. It was a really beautiful country. Um, the people are really kind, and there's still a lot of ancient temples and pagodas there that you just wouldn't see in, say, in, say the States. Um, the culture is still very intact and traditional. Laos was beautiful. Laos had so many just like gorgeous limes the mountains and it's very green and lush. Um, and the food was incredible. So, and in Singapore is a complete contrast to most of the countries in Southeast Asia. They're kind of a future city. So everything is very clean, very modern. They have like an indoor waterfall. Um, their city is very green and sustainable. Everything's connected with Wi-Fi. So, yeah, I can't say that there is a favorite, but all of them had really interesting facets. And how did you meet your co-founders? Yeah, so Fat, I met him about four years ago in Portland, Oregon. He was building a startup at the time, and a startup scene isn't very well known in Portland. So I was just like, I have to meet this person. Um, and we be- became friends ever since. Greg is our other co-founder, and him and Fat have been friends. So I only met Greg through building West with the both of them. What is that like working with your friends? So building a startup is really hard. It actually teaches you a lot about um, communication and team dynamics. Uh, believe it or not, when you are building a company, it's like you're getting into a marriage with people. So think of any time you've been in a relationship or a marriage, we read the same books about communication styles, about attachment styles. Uh, we have meetings about team dynamics and communication. It's hard, but it's worthwhile, especially if everybody bought into the mission and the vision. Mm-hmm. But I do think what's interesting is um, I've worked with a probably every single type of niche and vertical out there across many different budgets. So clients who would spend as little as $300 a month on Facebook up to 1.5 million a month. And all of them kind of come down to the same formula of marketing when it's used best. It's all about human connection, um, getting people who buy into your messaging and believing in your values. So a lot of the future businesses that we'll see where it's people creating identities and brands or brands off of their identity will be based on that same formula. And how does that work if like a company wants to work with you? 
Yeah, so right now I'm full-time building Blessed. I actually don't do any media buying um, at all. We're just like nonstop grinding and working on making the product as best as it can be. We measure our business success based on how much money our customers are able to make. So because we're revenue sharing, we only make money when our customers are growing their businesses as well. And there's many factors that go into how can we maximize this growth for their business? Are they getting stuck on actually finding customers? Are they getting stuck on sales? Is it something on the marketing piece? Is it something on the way that we're teaching? So there's multiple data points we're able to look at, and we are in the process of just uh, double, downing, double downing on what will create the most results for our customers and their businesses. And is there any type of business that's like not good for your program or do you work with like all different types of businesses so it doesn't matter what type yeah great question so right now we're starting with when we believe in the principle of when you're starting a company you want to get really good at one thing so we have one flagship program available right now it teaches consultants experts specialists how to package your expertise into a program and sell it Um, down the road we'll expand to podcasting self-publishing e-commerce stores we want to essentially have every single program available for the business models of the future and so does someone just come to you with an idea they haven't worked on the idea yet how does that work or do they already have a business established so in the future what it would look like is hey I want to start an online business. I have no idea what I want to start. Um, or maybe I do have an idea. I go to Blast and there's all these options of things I could do. I could do podcasting. I could do, I could learn how to write a blog. I could create my own e-commerce store. Um, the difference of going to us versus learning everything on your own. Most people, including myself, when I started my e-commerce store, I was watching YouTube videos every night. I was reading articles. I was reading blogs. I know these days, sometimes you will pay like $2,000 for a course. Um, the issue with these things is that you're consuming information, but this information changes really quickly. And you also don't have guidance on if what you're doing is the right thing. So oftentimes, people will spend a lot of time working on their website or working on making a really pretty business card and they don't know the step-by-step process on exactly what they should be doing to move the needle on their business. And by move the needle, I mean actually get, make revenue. So for the person that wants to make a business will be that one-stop shop place to really simplify and make it a real possibility that not only can you start an online business, which is very easy to do. You can just create an LLC these days online, Uh, but not only can you start an online business, you can actually make this your full-time thing and become profitable. And I read on your website that like within eight weeks, you get them to like five to 10,000 in a month. Is that, how do you do that? Yeah. So (laughs) our website is still in beta right now. It's, it's, we're actually not using the website front facing at the current moment. On average, the first 30 days, people are making 2,600. Based on the data that we have, we're working on optimizing that based on the factors I was telling you earlier. What we are finding is that that number, the eight weeks, is the average time it should take to finish the track, but it's so variable. So somebody who comes in with this mindset of 
maybe they've only worked in a nine to five before and they're very used to coming in and having directions or instructions. And a lot of us are like that because of the school system. Um, that person will be very different than somebody who has already tried multiple businesses in the past, has failed. So we actually find that one of the biggest obstacles to starting an online business in our customers and in other people is usually themselves. It's really hard to kind of overcome your own fears your own insecurities. And um, whenever you're scared, it actually limits your creativity. So what we have found is that eight weeks number does vary, but on average in the first 30 days of working with us, our customers make 2,600. And how do you like validate the ideas for them? So this is a mixture of, they get real-time feedback from business coaches, people that have the marketing, people that have started businesses. And then we also teach them how to go into the actual marketplace, talk to potential customers and get real-time market feedback before they build it out. So earlier I was saying, sometimes people make a lot of, they feel like they're being productive by creating a fancy website or building out the products. I made this mistake with my first e-commerce business. I saw this product that I just thought was so cool and that everybody would love. And they were these beanies that had Bluetooth speakers embedded in them. Um, Looking back at it now, I can clearly see like Bluetooth beanies would only really sell in areas that are cold. So it's not a green product. I also never tested the market and I never really asked people or thought about who would be the people that would buy these. So it wasn't until we had the order place where we started thinking of these ideas and it's like, oh, maybe it's snowboarders or skiers. Um, So the difference between our methodology is we actually guide people step by step. Uh, We give them coaching and we also teach them how to go into the market, how to find customers, how to talk to them, how to use those feedback loops to make their business successful. And what does the launch process look like? It will vary by business track. So if you're launching an e-commerce store or a podcast or a program, it all varies. But to sum it up in short, um, to really distill it, it's like you think you, you come up with a niche and it's something that you, you want it to be based on your expertise or your skill sets or something that just excites you and makes you feel alive. Uh, then you have to work, think about what can I actually offer? So for example, there's there, one of our customers, she is really great at SEO. And SEO is how do you optimize your website to show up on Google? And she also knows the design world really well. And what she discovered is a lot of designers that are making websites don't know how to optimize those websites to show high on Google. They know how to make those websites prettier. So now she's putting the two two and two together and she can create a very specific program for web designers on how to implement SEO in order to charge more for their clients with SEO services and help them make more money from finding more clients who find their own site. So the launch process starts with doing something that doing something that you really love or and or know a lot about, testing the message and testing your offering in the marketplace, using that feedback to build it out, whether this is a product or a service or a podcast or a blog, um, doing a soft launch and going back to those people that you talked with and actually getting paid for uh, building out a portion of it. 
And then once you kind of refine the product, service, whatever it is, double down on what's working and scale it. So you your money that you've made to grow those areas of the business that will accelerate it further. And do you like kind of like tease the product or tease the business before you actually come up with it and actually start it? Like, do you do like advertising before it's officially launched or do you wait until you officially launch the business and then start advertising? So when you say advertising, do you mean like paying for ads or what form of advertising do you mean? Like maybe putting it on social media, posting about it, um, letting people know about it. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really important to let people know about it or at least be able to ask for feedback. Um, I don't believe in paying for Facebook ads or Google ads until you start making revenue, but you definitely can kind of create an audience, whether that's an email list or following on Instagram or following on YouTube or following on, on Twitter by talking about um, talking about your brand identity online when, and how that comes out in your products or your service. So that is the form of you could I, I suppose you could uh distill it down to a form of marketing but it's also kind of a form of creating content do you think it's good to have like a niche product i think it's good to have a product or a service that you believe in and what we are helping people do is we're helping them launch small online businesses based on the passion economy so these are online businesses based on the person's identity um, experiences and or skills for me, for example, if I have a love for biohacking and health longevity, um, and I also like psychology, I would probably want to write about these things versus write about how to take care of a goat or how to plant a carrot. So, yes, you have to be extremely specialized on what you're doing. And I think the best way to go about building a business is not necessarily just to build a business to build a business, but to understand what you want to do and share it with others. And you mentioned that you don't do Facebook ads until you create revenue first. Um, do you have any organic ways to create revenue first or organic marketing or... Yeah, absolutely. So this comes down to when you're starting a business, really understanding who your customer segment may be, who your audience may be, where did they spend time? So for example, someone like me, I actually don't spend that much time on Instagram. I have it deleted off my phone. So if somebody were to hit me with an ad on Instagram, I'm not going to see it. Um, so you really have to understand who is your target market? Where do they spend time and create content there? And where do you find clients for your business? So with Blessed or yes. with my in the past? Cool. So with Blessed, we're doing right now a lot of um, cold outreach. So we've used everything kind of like based on that methodology of for finding customers, we have to really think who are the customers that will benefit most? Would it be freelancers? Would it be people that have thought about starting businesses? Where do they hang out with? What forms are they on? So everything from Quora to Reddit, to reaching out to people on Udemy, to LinkedIn, to Facebook groups. Uh, we run things in experiments. So you have to track everything and then kind of see what channels am I getting the most engagement and responses from and then double down there. 
That's interesting that you mentioned um, Facebook groups because I didn't realize how big Facebook groups were until I started joining them like a couple weeks ago. But they are huge. Yeah, there's a ton of different Facebook groups and they're all very, a lot of them are very specialized and niche. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So what's the biggest lesson you've learned from starting? It could be this business or one of your businesses before. The biggest lesson I've learned is uh, life is an experiment. And so this comes out through business. It comes out through life. Um, but life is a complete experiment. There's no right or wrong way, but the only, the only way can be found within yourself. So right now we're inundated with a ton of social media. We're inundated with news, uh, media billboards, and these things are extremely distracting. And sometimes they, they might create a template or a pseudo template that we feel like we need to follow or do, but the biggest lesson I've always learned is life is an experiment. All the answers you can find within yourself. And the more time you sit with yourself and align with yourself, the more you'll know exactly what the next step is that you should take. And it might be completely different than anyone else's. And have you ever like launched a business and it didn't go as well as you were hoping? Oh yeah. All the time. (laughs) So my life is those failures. Um, Yeah. And, and, a lot of my friends who have started businesses, it's a, it's a series of failures as in you kind of, I've done so many things that I just thought were fun to do. And then I either got bored or like more engaged with something else or realized like maybe this isn't what I want to do. So there's been multiple times where I've launched businesses that I guess failed or I just kind of moved on to something else. I've had a cryptocurrency blog at its peak. It was getting about 3000 visitors a month. Um, without any anything at all, I was just writing about things like Bitcoin and Ethereum and blockchain. Uh, the e-commerce business, we actually would sell more beanies in person at street markets than we did online because at that moment, we were still trying to figure out Facebook marketing, email marketing, SEO, how to, how to market online. Um, yeah, so absolutely. And what helped you, like, say, what helped you create your next business after you failed one like did you ever think like oh maybe i'm not supposed to do it because i keep on failing um i know i think it i think this is a muscle i've had to train over time and people that i know who have done the same thing train it over time too but fail failure isn't really a failure it's such a massive lesson and you just keep going so it goes back to life is an experiment and what that means is you, if you have a series of wins, you actually, you actually, that's great and all, but you won't learn as much as if you have a series of losses. So I'm obviously not in the business to lose. Um, but whenever something happens, as in if our, let's say, for example, if we're not, if we don't have enough customers or if our customers are making enough money, um, we can always kind of reverse engineer why, figure it out. And then we have a new experiment to test and run to kind of fix that problem. And what have your 20s been like so far? Say that again? What have your 20s been like so far? Oh, my 20s have been pretty wild. So I'm halfway through that now. I would say in the last four to five years, I 
yeah, it's been really wild. And I feel extremely grateful and blessed. Um, my relationships have blossomed the time. Um, I have, I, I, I write, I write a lot about things that I would like in my life. And I often look back on journal entries that I wrote three, four years ago. And a lot of those things that I wrote down three or four years ago, I have today, but it's been an adventure. So when I look back my last four to five years, I've lived on the West Coast and the East Coast now in the States. I traveled Asia. I went to South America, Europe, um, have experimented with a ton of different things. And I feel like all I know is like, let's say hypothetically, if I were to die tomorrow, I feel like I have lived a pretty full life. And how often do you journal? It comes and goes. So there's no set schedule. Um, the last two weeks I've been journaling a lot more. So it's usually just free flow. Um, there's a quote that I really like, your brain is for making ideas, not for holding them. And journal, journaling can at least is a way to kind of get them out on paper. And when you're writing, your brain processes things in a different way than even typing or texting. So lately it's been daily. Sometimes I go through phases where I don't touch my journal for four weeks. Um, it varies. I just go with the flow. I've been hearing a lot of people mention journaling lately, so I don't know if that's a sign that I'm supposed to start journaling or something, (laughs) but I noticed that it's very, very popular, so I was wondering about that. You should try it. Um, I used to do this thing called just brain fart, like brain fart, brain dump. You just like scribble on the page, write everything out. Uh, There's so many different ways to do it, and that's the other thing, like people will tell you, you should try it this way, do it that way, but just experiment with it and see what works for you. And if you could go back in time and talk to your 20-year-old self, what would you tell her? Buy Bitcoin. (laughs) Okay. Awesome. (laughs) And are there any questions that you wish I would have asked you? No, no. um, I think if there's any questions that you'd like to ask, please ask them. Um... Yeah, I, I think whether it's you or anyone else, I, it's just so important to honor your curiosity and follow that pull. Yeah, and definitely. And where can people connect with you? I'm pretty low-key these days because it's mainly just heads down, <laughs> building, blast. Um, my Instagram, the Instagram app is deleted off my phone, but it's Emily H. Lai, L-A-I, and... That's probably the best way. And our website is learnbless.com. The website is still in beta, but we're working on rebuilding it out. Why'd you delete Instagram on your phone? For focus. Thank you guys for listening to this podcast. If you know someone who might resonate with this story, please share it with them. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day.